Hardball is brought to you by. Hello, baseball fans. This is Brad Hangey, and I'm a partner at Ducks Dugout in Marietta, Georgia. Ducks Dugout is one of the largest sports memorabilia stores in the country, boasting a 6,500-square-foot showroom full of -of one-of-a-kind sports cards and memorabilia. Our partners have more than 100 years of combined experience in the sports collecting hobby, and we are always happy to offer consultation about your collection. We also buy collections, ranging from a single item to an entire houseful. Ducks Dugout is located at 2800 Canton Road in Marietta. Check us out at DucksDugout.com. Hey, this is Ray Giudice, lawyer here in Atlanta, 404-964-4185. And a big baseball fan. My first World Series was Tigers-Cardinals, 1968. Mickey Lolich won three games, and the Tigers beat the Bob Gibson-led St. Louis Cardinals. A great team. But listen to Chris Domino's Hardball podcast here at the Podcast Park, 680thefan.com. If you ever need a lawyer who loves baseball as much as you do, 404-964-4185. Heroes get remembered. Here's the windup. Legends never die. Basketball hits. Welcome to Hardball. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Major League Baseball's history in first person. Conversations that span almost 20 years. It is 9.46 p.m. With the men who saw and made that history. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Many of whom are no longer with us. Swung out and missed a perfect game. Stories from the 1930s. To the 21st century. This is Hardball. Dad, you want to have a catch? Welcome into Hardball. My name is Chris Domino, and this is a look at the game of baseball's history, one conversation at a time. It's been an honor to sit down with some of the best to ever play the game and others whose contributions include being involved in some of the biggest moments the game has ever seen. If you're back as a listener, thanks for that. If you are new to the podcast, I hope you enjoy this episode enough to go back and listen to some of the previous ones and then you hit subscribe to get notifications when new episodes come out. Speaking of that, I appreciate all of the correspondence and the in-person Any New Hardballs coming inquiries over the past year. Here's what's happening on that front. I'll be putting out about 20 episodes between now and opening day 2023. It will include new and newer like this one, as well as some of the conversations that date back about 20 years that I haven't put out yet. Those will include Ted Williams, Willie Mays, Duke Snyder, and others, and I'm on the trail of catching up with people like Steve Garvey, Reggie Jackson, and more. I think I'm also going to do a theme episode or two, perhaps World Series MVPs, that will include a few players in one sitting. If you are new or coming back after a while, just a quick why I'm actually now contributing to the 1 million-plus world of podcasts again. By the way, that's a true number, and it is kind of simple. I just think these men and women and their stories should be heard, not by the masses. I absolutely understand this is a niche audience. That doesn't make what they've done or seen or how they've gone about their business any less important than the game of baseball itself and its place in social history, what was happening in the world in their time, and how the game either reflected that or bucked the social norm. That's why Rachel Robinson is in here, Larry Doby as well, why Willie Horton in the 68 Tigers story is here, why players who fought in World War II are included in these conversations. I hope the stories resonate. I've said for many years, 
I didn't refer to these as interviews. That would mean there would be Q&As, list of questions that can turn into sounding like a deposition given to an inability to hear and actually feel, feel wins and losses and relationships we end up speaking about. These are conversations, the kind of talks that lead to both sitting back in a chair as well as actually hearing someone, one of the guests, lean into their phone to describe moments and relationships formed in a career or post-career. I hope you find them interesting enough to spread the word. Maybe to a friend, a brother, an uncle, a father, or a mother who you think might be interested in reliving a period of their life through a baseball story. I'd love some feedback. I can be reached at Chris Domino, C-H-R-I-S-D-I-M-I-N-O on Twitter or at CJ Domino at ComcastNet through email. Before I introduce you to today's guest, I'd like to thank a couple of people who are helping bring this new round of episodes to you. Keith Ippolito, the best in the business, who puts these together. Now a couple of friends who are part of Hardball. Ray Judice is an Atlanta-based attorney who is one of the biggest baseball fans I know and a great resource for you if you need legal advice or representation and, quite honestly, one of the people who told me to get off my ass and put out new episodes. And Ducks Dugout, an Atlanta-based but nationwide sports memorabilia house that is ready to satisfy you or the baseball fan in your life with an incredible selection of collectibles. Today's guest is one of those players who divided some baseball fans. Good enough to be considered as a possible Hall of Famer by some, others say he helped derail that possibility by choices he made in the prime of his career. I can tell you there's no doubt he was one of the most talented players of the 1970s and then some. An MVP award and two other top three finishes in a four-year stretch from 1975 to 78, including that 78 win. A four-time All-Star in a six-year stretch, including an All-Star Game MVP, based upon him and his arm. Three gold gloves in a four-year stretch and the best outfield arm in baseball along with Dwight Evans. A World Series title in 1979 with the We Are Family Pittsburgh Pirates, a larger-than-life, literally and figuratively, generational talent whose career got turned sideways and included a day in court as a witness in a federal cocaine trial. A bounce back in Cincinnati in the mid-80s. It was a going-home story that included both the second-place and fifth-place MVP seasons in 1985 and 86, and become the Silver Slugger winner at DH in Oakland in 1989, a season that saw the A's win the World Series, and a return to the All-Star game at age 40 in the 1990 season. He was loud. He was the first one to tell you that. He kept it loose in the clubhouse. His teammates all say that. He finished his career with 2,712 hits, 339 home runs, 1,493 RBI. Solid for sure, but never enough to garner more than 25% of Hall of Fame voters' love. There's no doubt his off the field affected that number. He won't lobby for the honor, as he told me it would be nice, but he does have contemporaries who claim his consideration has been shortchanged. Eric Davis says not only is he supposed to be a Hall of Famer, but revered and feared, but was a personality at a time when baseball needed them. He was one of the first to wear an earring and T-shirts that proclaimed how great he was. Mike Eastler declared him the Ali of baseball. He was loud, but he could back it up. The story is he once literally hit the cover off a ball on a ground ball he hit in St. Louis. There was no denying that when he was going well, he was a bad man. He did it all on a bad knee. We'll talk about his love of football and how a high school game changed the course of his life. He was a 14th round pick and became a household name. Now his life is in a different place. Humble, a teacher, trying to help kids in his hometown learn and love the game through his preaching of fundamentals. With his wife, Kelly, who I would like to thank for helping set up our conversation, Dave Parker is fighting Parkinson's disease. Diagnosed in 2012, they have raised money, he and his family and friends, through his Dave Parker 39 Foundation for a number of years now. He has good days and not so good days, but he is a man who seems at peace with all of it. The baseball, his diagnosis. Dave Parker, the Cobra, is our guest today on Hardball. You know, they have so much fun reminiscing. Those guys can talk about a specific game, a specific pitch. Fastballs beat 10 miles faster. 
home runs, be 40 yards long. So, you know, I'm, I'm here to listen to and govern lives. We are family, and those guys that are still living, I love them all. Now we got a real test here early in the games. Fastball hitter Dave Parker, who's swinging a 37-ounce bat, and it is heavy, and he can get around on it. And he's a high drive to deep right field, and Dave Parker has hit his first World Series home run. Wow. Parker, Morgan, lost they lost, lost it. It drops. And it's a two-base hit, and Rice is going to try for three, and he will not make it. Boy, I tell you, when you've got an arm like that, you can erase a lot of mistakes. This was a bad man for a lot of years in Major League Baseball. This guy put up some numbers, and now the Modern Era Hall of Fame will vote on his possibility of becoming a Hall of Famer. Dave Parker joins us today. Dave, I appreciate it. How are you today, sir? I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm doing well. Listen, congratulations on the news that came out just yesterday. Um, I, I know it's... It, it's it's got to at least be exciting to know that you're back in the hunt in the race for the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's kind of nice to know. I mean, it's it's been a long time. What what do you? It's it's interesting you say it's been a long time. When you think back to the beginning of your career, does it feel like it's been this many years? I mean, I know you've been through a lot, a couple of different cities, and and numbers that have you know obviously scream off the page. Do you think? Does it feel like it was a long time ago when you got this whole thing started? Yes, I think it's been a long time. I put together some great numbers, and you know, I thought with the numbers, I would have been there a lot sooner. Mm-hmm. It is interesting too. I think I remember reading a number of years ago. Did you enjoy football more than baseball? I know you had a knee injury that really derailed that. Would you have chosen football had you been healthy at the end of high school? I probably would have. What type of schools actually came knocking? Who was actually talking about actually uh, the scholarship possibilities? Well, I I was looking at uh, Ohio State. I was interested in them. Mm-hmm. And uh, basically anybody else that, that came across the board. I think that, you know, having a knee injury probably served me well, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, football is uh, a tough sport. Yeah, and – I mentioned you were a 14th round pick and the knee is certainly a reason why I'm assuming you were picked in the 14th round. But when you show up at your first, I don't know, spring training or rookie ball, are you looking around realizing pretty quickly? uh, I can play. I think I'm going to be okay. Yeah. You see that right away. I uh, can really tell if a kid got talent just by watching him walk. Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) I uh, see that quite a bit. Yeah. You, you were you were a big guy for the late '60s, early '70s to be a baseball player. I mean, physically, you were bigger than a lot of guys that were playing in the game at that point. Yeah, I was six uh, five and uh, about two twenty when I first entered professional baseball. Mm-hmm. I was uh, kind of was a big guy, and Dave Winfield was uh, another big guy. We kind of changed what outfielders look like. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cal was maybe one of the guys who changed what shortstops look like, and you guys sort of changed what guys who can play in the outfield. A- athletes, you know, bigger athletes playing professional baseball. Yeah, you know, Dave uh, could do it all. You know, he pitched, played uh, outfield, mm-hmm. and uh, he, he did it all. Basketball player as well? Right. Football, football player. You know, it's interesting. When you first start with the Pirates, they're coming off a really good run the 70-71, what, what was the book on you? What, 
you know, at your 21 years old, 22 years old, what do you think the book on you actually was at that point? Well, they all tried to throw me fastballs up and in. Mm -hmm. You know, that was the, how they tried to pitch me. Defensively, I I could basically, basically do everything defensively. I had above average speed, had a above average arm. So I was pretty sound defensively. Mm -hmm. Now, Danny Murtaugh was pretty important in your whole thing, right? Didn't Murtaugh really, wasn't he the first guy to give you a few years in a chance to play every day? Yes, he did. Uh, Danny uh, gave me the opportunity to play every day, and uh, I really appreciate him for that, you know, because they had a thousand outfielders there. They had Gene Kleins, Al Oliver, Willie Stargell. Uh, they they had a host of outfielders, so uh, getting the opportunity was was great. What was it like? I, I don't know as a young guy around the Pirates. You know, Willie is sort of certainly the fatherly figure by 1979. But were there other older Pirates around? Was guys like Ralph Kiner, did other Pirates come around during spring training? And did you have an opportunity to learn a little bit of the history of the Pirates as a young guy? Yeah, I um, had an opportunity to to talk to guys like Pie Trainer. Mm -hmm. And uh, he told me I hit the ball harder than anybody had ever seen. <laughs> So uh, I impressed him, and uh, we had Bob Veal. Uh, Pooney uh, was was his nickname, and you know he uh, taught me uh, some of the ropes on baseball. Mm -hmm. what, how, what was your relationship with Willie when you first came up? Well, Willie uh, was like a father to me. You know, he uh, took me on the wing and taught me uh, what it takes to be a major league player. So Willie was. Uh, very instrumental in my life. Yeah, and it's really interesting because while it's not right after Roberto's passing, you were in right field a few years after that. Was there ever sort of the pressure of trying to be the guy who was going to be the next guy for the Pirates playing right field? No, I tried to uh, just be the first Dave Parker, and me and Willie discussed that about being tagged with uh, being uh, the next Roberto Clemente, mm -hmm. and I just wanted to make my mark as the uh, the first Dave Parker, and I had Willie uh, on hand to, to help me out in doing that. And uh, I, was, I was fortunate to, to have uh, veteran guys that had been through the ropes, and you know they uh, kind of kept an eye on me and kept me on the straight and narrow. It's really interesting. I've spoken to some of your former teammates, and while it certainly you were larger than life, and, and I think you're self-admitted you were loud, I think a lot of your teammates kind of liked it. I, I think a lot of teammates thought that, from what I gather, you kept it pretty loose. It, it was yeah, I kept it loose. Uh, I led by being loud. You know, that's where I got my message across. Mm -hmm. uh, when I had to uh, say something uh, that was uh, kind of borderline, <laughs> I uh, always used humor. So humor did a lot for me. Yeah, and I and I do know a couple of your teammates said that there was a misperception about you in that regard, that maybe to the outside world it seemed too much, but not to guys necessarily in that clubhouse. No, they knew me. You know, I was uh, the sergeant of arms. You know, Willie was a silent leader, and I, I was the, the one that can get the, the point across and do it in a, a, a humorous way. Yeah. Let me ask you, did you know going into 79 that that team now was ready to be special, like World Series champion special? Did you did you have that feeling? Yeah, I thought I thought so. We had finished 
short of Philadelphia a couple years and Cincinnati beat us out uh, a couple years and we we uh, knew that it was our time and uh, we had uh, guys that really loved each other and you know really played together we knew that it was our time it is interesting because a lot of people know it as the we are family thing but you felt that way i mean that was that was just not a song that was just not sort of show that was that was the makeup of that team yeah definitely the makeup of of, of that team you know guys went through uh, a period of um, injuries and we uh put our pitching staff together with, with wire and <laughs> and bubble gum you know because we had so many guys injured in 79 but we were determined to get uh, to where we uh felt that we belonged and that was uh on top of uh, the championship, and uh, we uh, did it. You had four really good years in a row leading up to that year. Do you sort of remember what the World Series experience was, knowing that you were going to go getting through the postseason and before game one of the World Series that the world is going to be watching? I mean, that really is what guys play for. You can tell me about the money, and you can tell me about the accolades, but don't guys want to be the last man standing? The whole world, the TV world, is going to be watching the Pittsburgh Pirates and Dave Parker play. Yeah, and I look forward to it. You know, I uh, was one of those guys that didn't mind to getting up there at 3-2 count mm-hmm. with uh, men in scoring position, and uh, I uh, enjoyed that uh, that thrill. So uh, being in the World Series and in the playoffs was a place I felt that uh, I wanted to be. Before I ask you about that championship and, and what it brings to a city like Pittsburgh, what is it like to know that for a few years you're as good as anybody on the planet? I mean, you're legitimately as good as anybody playing a game of baseball. Yeah, I felt that. and I felt for a couple of years I was the, the best in baseball, and I uh, took pride in carrying that title of uh, being the best. So uh, I didn't mind uh, showing my, uh, my talents. What's it like in a city like Pittsburgh when you win a title? Uh, Pittsburgh is a city of champions. You know, they they love their players. So uh, I uh, really enjoyed those years that we uh, played, made playoffs and World Series and uh, did it with the Steelers. And that's why we were called the city of, the city of champions. Mm-hmm. What, what's it like the night that you guys win that World Series? Do you remember sort of what the celebration was and where you guys were? Yeah, we... Uh, didn't make it back downtown because people met us at the airport. So we uh, had people uh, that was already out there waiting on us. Yeah. And the parade itself? The parade was nice. Yeah. Uh, Stardew, who uh, had a, a rough 78 and uh, 79, he uh, came and had a heck of a year. I think he was MVP, co-MVP with Keith Hernandez. That's exactly right. You know, it, it was a redemption for Willie, and uh, it was great for the city. And and one of the great nicknames of all time. Uh, Pops is about as good a nickname as, as anybody has ever had. Yeah, Willie, uh, he wore it well. Hey, Dave, it, did, it didn't end well in Pittsburgh for you, but you do get second and even third life. How important was it to have a couple of next chapters in the baseball career for you? Well, uh it was it, it was uh, nice that people know that uh, I was uh, I was injured. My injuries uh, played a major part 
in uh, those uh, latter years. But uh, it was nice to have somewhere to go and, sh- and show people that, uh, you know, Dave Parker is still the Cobra. And, and in Cincinnati and then certainly in Oakland, you get another you get another ring. Yeah, I got another ring. I actually helped uh, Cincinnati get a ring, too, because they traded Rio. Uh, <laughs> So they got they they reaped the benefits of it all too. Yeah, when you look back on your career, what, what is it you think of? What are you most proud of? Look again, I know that you're very honest now at this point in your life, and I guess why not be? Uh, there were definitely bumps. There were things that you own up to, but if you look back at it in its entirety, what what do you think about? Well, I think I played it one way, and that was all out. I uh, played baseball uh, with with love. I love the game. One thing that you can say about Dave Parker is that you never seen him not run the ball out hard. I ran every ball out hard, played the game extremely hard, and uh, they can't ever say that I didn't. I didn't play with uh, passion. Do you wish you were healthier? I mean, even even what what you did. Are there were there times even during the career or afterwards you go, damn, I just wish the legs were better. Well. I felt that uh, I did it better than most people. You know, I uh, played it at 100%. People uh, identified me as one of the game's best. I I felt I couldn't do it too much better. Yeah. Let me just ask you about a couple of your teammates real quick. Who were some of the guys you actually enjoyed, whether it was Cincinnati or Oakland, that you enjoyed being around, that enjoyed your company as well? Well, everybody loves me. So... (laughs) Dave Stewart was a, a a nice guy to be around. Dave Henderson was a outstanding mm-hmm. uh, guy. Stargell, uh, Bill Madlock, Bert Blylevin, Ed Ott. I mean, I could sit here and name the whole team because all these guys were solid people. Are, are you aware that some of the best players in the game never get a chance to play in a World Series, let alone obviously never get a chance to, to call themselves or be called a world's champion? Uh, that, yeah. that's got to be a tough thing. If you put a lot of time in this game, that's got to be a tough one. As, as good as the individual numbers might be, I'd imagine there are guys who walked away going, damn, I just wish I would have had those moments in October or at least an opportunity to have them. Yeah, because that's what you play for. Yeah. You play for the championships, the, the hardware, the the World Series rings, and the, the cohesiveness that you you, you establish amongst players. Uh, those are things that you know you live for, and you never get it uh, at that high level unless you make it to a playoff or World Series. And the city doesn't forget you either. That's that's another bit. Was everything resolved with the fans in Pittsburgh? I don't even know. Did you have a moment where everything kind of became okay again? Well, when I go to Pittsburgh, everybody buy me meals, <laughs> buy me drinks. You know, so uh, I, I think everything is pretty well patched up. Yeah. How do you feel about your odds maybe of getting in to the Hall of Fame on this committee? Well, um, I don't see no reason why I shouldn't. I got the numbers. I uh, think uh, basically uh, what, what I did in baseball after leaving Pittsburgh is solid. So it's just a matter of them uh, writing my name in the, in the ballot box. Mm-hmm. David, let me just finish up with this then. I've asked players this now for a number of years. Are there ever any times when you actually, you know, you fall asleep? Do you ever dream about being a young guy again, about playing again? Have you ever had those types of dreams where you're actually back in uniform? Has that ever happened to you? Yeah. I mean, uh, 
I, I, I dream about baseball now, my wife tell me. Throw the ball. You know, you last night you were saying throw the ball. So uh, I'm still playing baseball even today. Yeah, it, it is interesting that some guys definitively say yes and some guys go no. But I had a couple of guys tell me they daydream about it. It might not be dreams at night, but they'll just have little moments when they're sitting on a couch or sitting on a chair or watching a game and they just, for whatever reason, they don't even know why something gets triggered where they're back at a moment or back at a certain moment or they're they're with certain guys. It, it it really is a strange thing that you can spend that many hours with grown men. I mean, more hours than really with your family. I would almost think it would be impossible not to have those moments of reflection. Well, that's true. When you do something uh, on an everyday basis, day in and day out, and you do it with 28 other guys or 25 other guys, you know, it's going to be a part of your life. I'm glad I, I can have instant recall on a, a pitch that was made in the seventh inning in 1975. <laughs> you know, so uh, it happens. The best throw you ever had, would it have been that 79 All-Star game in Seattle? Uh, yeah, I guess you could say that. That's the one that everybody identified to. But I made some some great throws in my career. Listen, you, Dwight, uh, obviously, Roberto, there are really less than five guys that I think sort of go on the Mount Rushmore of big cannon arms. I, I mean, I don't even know. It must have been amazing to know that as a guy who was rounding second, some of those throws to third, you go, oh, he's dead. I don't. Before I even throw this, I know I got this guy. Well, I, I like showing it off. <laughs> you know, I don't mind pulling it out of the holster and shooting down a, a runner going to third and blowing the barrel off and putting it back in my pocket. It is a lost art, my friend. It is a lost art. There aren't a lot of guys who do it very well these days. Yeah, you don't see too many guys with good arms. Yeah. Hey, Dave, let me ask you, the the longest home run, do you know off the top of your head which one you hit bigger and better than any? I hit one in San Francisco uh, that was pretty huge. That place is, that that's that's not an easy home run in Candlestick. Yeah, well, I got lucky and hit one out. Last one. Who was the toughest guy you ever faced on the mound? Who's the toughest pitcher? Steve Carlton. He had a slider, and when he struck me out three times, and they had started to, to slide off at me, and it breaks right over the plate, and I ended up hitting a lot of home runs off of him. He uh, struck me out more than any pitcher I ever faced, and I hit more home runs off of him than any pitcher I ever faced. Wow. That's a daily so that's, that's interesting. Was there any other Hall of Fame type guy that you hit well that you know of? Uh, Steve sticks out of my mind. He was the toughest. Yeah. And how'd you do against Seaver? Seaver, I never took him deep. Hit a lot of hard doubles and some triples off of him, but I never took him deep. How about Nolan? Nolan was uh, tough. If he had his uh, curveball working, he uh, was tough. If he didn't have his curveball, he wasn't as tough. Well, Dave, listen, I, I really appreciate it. I really, I, I, I pray for you and your family. I hope things. Uh, congratulations for still, as you said, getting up every day and doing work with the kids in the community. And and I and I appreciate your honesty about again what went really right in your career and some of the things that didn't. I think at a certain point, everybody sort of has real reflection on what their life and what their career has been. And from what I understand, you really have taken to heart this idea that teaching young kids how to play the game is a really important thing. Yes. I uh, enjoy the kids, you know. You, you got to deal with the kids. Well, I'm glad you're still capable and able to do that, and I'm sure it's good work in the community as well. 
And, and you got a chance to play at home, which is the other part. Not a lot of guys get an opportunity to actually do what you do for a living or in, in front of the hometown-type crowd in Cincinnati. Yeah, I was fortunate to play here and end my career here, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was a great end, ending for me. Well, Dave, listen, I really appreciate the time. Please thank your wife. Continued good health. I really hope things go well for you, and, uh, and good luck coming up in this next vote uh, in the next couple of months. All right. All right, David. Thank you very much, sir. You too. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Hardball is brought to you by. Hey, this is Ray Judice, baseball fan, baseball lover. Listening to Chris Domino's Hardball, 404-964-4185 is my number if you need me to talk about the law or baseball. Hi, this is Brad Hangey from Duck's Dugout in Marietta, Georgia, and we're proud to be a sponsor of Hardball. With a 5,500-square-foot showroom, we are one of the largest sports memorabilia stores in the country, and we're full of -of one-of-a-kind trading cards and memorabilia. Duck's Dugout is located at 2800 Canton Road in Marietta. Check us out at ducksdugout.com. He was a sensational right fielder. He was the scariest man alive. With one of the great arms in the history of baseball. Because you know if you hit the ball to right field, you tried to go to first, third, the ball was going to be there waiting on you. The old five-tool player, which is a term that people like to use. He could run like he was a defensive back. He had the power of a, a linebacker. He was just a complete ball player. Dave Parker had every bit of that and then some. Well hit, deep to right center field, way back, home run, National League leads. Boy, Parker's enjoying this. He took the wide turn at first to admire that baby. Six or seven rows up, I'd say. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be.